How's everybody this morning? <laughs> Good to see you. I, um, man, I just want to talk to you this morning. I just, I just really prayed about this. God, how, where, how do I get this, I, this, this message? Um, and, uh, you know, and I, I struggled with it early service. When the early service was over, I felt like, man, still, how? Uh, I walked the halls. I went into a couple of classrooms just praying and said, God, how? How do I get this message across? How do I stir? And sitting there, services beginning and standing to worship and still praying in the middle of the, middle of the worship, God, how? And, and uh, you know, the thought kind of came to me that I can't help people that don't want help. And, and, and listen to this. This is what I mean by this. It's for those of you who are happy going through the motions. I don't have a thing to say to you today that is going to stir you. I mean, if you're happy with what's going on in your life, you're happy the way things are, you're happy with your community, you're happy with the direction your country's taking, you're happy with what's going on in the schools that your, your kids attend, if you like what's going on in your halls, if you like what's happening in, uh, you know, in, in your job and your finances, all this, if you're just happy going through the motions, just show up on Sunday, for an hour and 15, 20 minutes and check it off and say, hey, I was here. If you're happy with that, I don't have anything to share with you today. I don't have anything. But yet, yet in, my, in my heart, I've got this burden, this passion that I have to challenge you because that's the message today. See, um, 29-11 was birthed, uh, and, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't an accident. It was, it was birthed, and I, I, you know, in my heart it was birthed. I could say a lot of things about that, but, but it was birthed. I believe it was birthed in the heart of God. And there's a vision. And, and it's, not, uh, it's, not, it's not a vision, uh, you know, that's just one of those hoo, 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 weird things. There's a vision for what needs to happen. And not just as a church, but it's what this church does to enable you to fulfill vision in your life. When, when God was numbering your members in your mother's womb and building you and creating you, you've heard us talk about gifts, you've heard us talk about talents and special abilities. When he was doing that, he was dreaming some big things about you. And part of the 2911 dream is that we want to help everybody fulfill the dream, reach that potential. That's way up there, so much bigger than anything you and I could ever imagine on our own. And, and nothing we could ever reach on our own. So, it is so huge and, and awesome and amazing because his, his thoughts and his ways are higher than our thoughts and our ways. And th- this, this huge thing that God wants to do in our lives, yet you know what happens? The awesome becomes the norm. And we walk into the doors and we just, just kind of go through the motions. Three songs, prayer, offering, announcements, sermon, Prayer, song, gone. I mean, some of you could close your eyes and walk through our service, couldn't you? You know, and if that's the case, let's turn it all upside down. Next week, let's do it all backwards. Start with song, then we'll do the prayer, then we'll do the sermon, then we'll do the announcements. Whatever it takes. But I believe, you know, it doesn't matter about that because if we do it that way for six weeks, you'll get used to that. You see, so it's not, about, it's not about the way the service is built. It's not, about what, it's not about any of the stuff that's around you. You know where it is. You know where it begins. You know where it ends. And all of that, it's right here. 
Each one of us has to say, and I'm watching some of you go through the motions and allowing your life to just fall apart. And I'm saying, God, give us some men and women of passion one more time that'll say, this is not about me. This is about bringing Jesus Christ to the world. The vision, Church 2911, is engage our community with the love of Jesus. And, and I've had a lot of pastors ask me, what's, what's your vision statement? And I'll tell them that, and they'll say, what? That's similar to ours. But the difference, is, the difference is, is it just something on a piece of paper? Or is it really our vision statement that we want to engage our community with the love of Jesus Christ? And if, if there's something inside of us that says, I'm tired of going through the motions, I'm tired of seeing all these people go to church all over this community, Walk in and walk out. They walk out the same way they walked in. There's no challenge. There's no commitment. There's no passion. There's no desire to do anything else. They're happy just going through the motions. And their, their friends, their neighbors, the, the people living right next door to them are on their way to hell. And nobody cares enough to just step across the fence every once in a while and say, Hey, can I share something with you? This is the vision, and the vision is not what the church does. We're doing some of these things. We're engaging our community. The Great Egg Drop, we engaged about 1,400 people this year. Uh, this afternoon with uh, another one of our events, we're going to be engaging. And listen, individually, get out there, and if you see anybody you don't know, by all means, go shake their hand, tell them who you are, ask them their name, and just say, we're just glad you're here. Please make sure you get a lot of candy. The church is doing that, but that's not the question this morning. The question is, are we individually Engaging our communities with the love of Jesus Christ. Because you've got a community and you've got a community. You've got several communities. You've got your community where you live. You've got your community where you work or where you go to school. You've got your community where you shop and those people that you know. You know, they're your favorite restaurant and that, that waitress that you like to have wait on you. or what those That's part of your community as well. We've all got our communities. So the question is not, are we, but am I engaging my communities with the love of Jesus? Read some scripture to you. What, what's, what's going to work? Well, actually, you know, a year and a half ago, God laid this on my heart. Maybe even longer than that because we launched a year and a half ago. It was longer than that. And I've not shared this on a Sunday morning. I don't believe I've shared this even on a Wednesday night. I don't believe I've shared it in, in this morning. And this is another one of those back burner sermons. You know what those are? You know, if you're cooking something on the back burner, you know, you got it on the back burner because you got to have the thing, you know, the thing that's frying that you got to turn over 15 times, you know, to make sure it doesn't burn or whatever. You know, you got it on the front where you can mess with it and play with it all the time. But the back burner stuff, you just leave there so it can simmer, so it can cook slow. You walk by every once in a while, you just, you know, smell, maybe take a taste, put in a little more seasoning, make sure it's not drying out, stir it a little bit. And, those, and it's going to take some time to get just right. And that's what this sermon is today. Maybe 20 months in the making. It's a challenge to us. I want to take you, what, what, what's going to work? I'm going to tell you the, the, the things, I'm going to tell you three things today. And I don't want to just tell you what. You're going to get the what. But I want you to hear the why, because the why, and we're going to see it in Acts chapter 2 right here, the why, why this works. Why this is going to engage our community and change lives of people around us. Why it works, it's right here. And I know some of you are going to say, well, this is 2,000 years old. Yeah, it's 2,000 years old. Message never changes, but the methods do. But here, let me tell you, here is a method that doesn't change. Now, there's some stuff around the method that has changed, okay? We don't ride camels or donkeys anymore, okay? So there's some stuff that has changed. But there's three truths right here that never change, that have not changed, and they still will work in engaging our community, having impact and doing something, uh, something important for Christ. 
This is right after, it's the day of Pentecost. Uh, Simon Peter stepped out on the porch. He's preached the, the, the message, 3,000 souls are saved. And right after that verse, it says this. They devoted themselves, this is the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Where are the signs? Where are the wonders? Where are the miracles today? They don't happen through people going through the motions. You need need a miracle in your life. I would venture to say two-thirds of the people sitting right here, right now, need a miracle in their life. It is never going to happen as long as you're going through the motions. And the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, now that's engaging the community. When, I mean, where we're at right here, see where it ended, where we're at right here, we're right in between 3,000 souls getting saved and God adding to the church daily such as should. That, that's engaging the community. When people are being saved every day, that's engaging. There are three things they did here that, that just leap off the page at me. And something that I've been, you know, like I said, 18 months or more has been simmering, just waiting for the right time. I want to share with you, not just the what, I want to share with you the why. And I want to challenge you today. At the end of this service, I'm not going to invite everybody to come, but I'm going to ask those who are ready for, to, to have impact for Jesus Christ in their community, I want to invite you to come to this front and pray with me and commit yourself to having impact. Would you get ready for a message from God today? Would you ask him right now, would you close your eyes and say, God, speak to me today. I need to stop going through the motions. My family, my situations, my, my job, my finances, my health, my marriage, my kids. God, I need some miracles. I need some wonders. I need some miraculous things to happen. God, I need some things to turn around. I, I, I need some attitude adjusted. Lord, I, I need some things ch- different, changed in my life. And I pray, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would just speak to me, God. Speak to me. Everybody, don't pray for somebody sitting next to you. Say, God, speak to me. Challenge me. God, I'm tired of going through the motions and I'm ready for impact. Not just in my life. I'm ready to have impact in somebody else's life. And I pray, God, move us, move us today, God. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray, send us a passion, Lord, that will make us, that will make us wake up in the morning and, and charge out of our house with a, with a new attitude and a new desire to have impact in our communities, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Three things I want to share with you, and I'm going to make it real easy at the end for you to remember these three things. Most of us can remember, um, can remember alliteration, or we can remember, we can remember acronyms and things. Make it real easy for you to remember this at the end. But there are three things that they did there, and the first one I see is is is, is walking like Jesus walked. Okay, now where I see that is when it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. Okay, they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, meaning that daily, you know, they were they were in the temple, they were they were sharing with one another. But it's important, I think, that the word apostles is there because there were a lot of people getting saved right there. You know, daily there were people being added to the church. 
Daily, new people were coming in and being added to the church. And, and so it was important for you to realize that it wasn't just, you know, somebody came in the church, they gave him a book, said, here, teach a Sunday school class. No, these were the apostles they were listening to. And why that's important for us to realize is, is because there were a lot of people that could tell you the stories of Jesus, but the apostles, they lived it. They walked around with him every day. They, they heard him speak, and they didn't hear somebody speak about what he said. They heard the words come right out of his mouth. They watched him as he walked around. They watched him as he took time to, to, to reach down. You remember when he took the little children up into his lap and he blessed them? They watched him do that kind of thing. They watched him when he, when he challenged the, the, the religious of that day. They watched him. They watched his attitude. They watched where he walked. And a lot of times they, they thought, well, Jesus, why are you going here doing this? And, and, and they watched him and they saw miraculous things happen because of the way that he walked, the places that he went. And so when they were, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' doctrine, what they were doing is they were listening to how Jesus walked, how he talked, how he acted, how he treated people, the, the things that were important to him, the, the stuff that he would do. They, they were giving attention to this. They were, they were very committed to knowing how Jesus lived his life on this earth. And you know, if, and if you'll get this right here, the next two things, there are three things I told you, but if you'll get this, the next two things just fall in line. If you will, if you will embrace this and get this, Everything else will fall in line. You know what? And I'm not preaching about the miracles today. I'm not preaching about the stuff that you need God to do in your life. But even that will fall in. If you will get this, everything else falls in line. Because you know what this right here is? This is the same thing as where he says, Seek first the kingdom of God. What he wants and all his righteousness. And what does he say? All these other things will be added to you. If you get this, get this, get this. Walk like Jesus. And let me tell you how he walked. You'll see it in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. See then that you walk circumspectly, circumspectly. Now we don't, anybody use that word this week? No, we don't use it, do we? Somebody will use it. Somebody will tweet it later, won't you? I know you'll do. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. This is what Jesus did. He walked circumspectly. That word circumspectly means, in one case, it means carefully. In another case, it means purposely. He didn't walk, he didn't just roll out of bed and just say, okay, here's another day. We'll get through it somehow. Every day that he lived, he, he lived it carefully and he lived it purposely. There's a purpose for my being here today. God didn't give me breath just so I could take up space on a Sunday morning. He gave me breath so that I could praise and worship him. There, there's some purpose that I have in my life today, and that purpose is bigger than I am. It's greater than I am. There's something outside of me that God wants to do through me. And we come to our, we come to church, and we got our mind and our attitude on us, and all of our needs, and all of our stuff, and all our little this and little that. And, and God can't use that. He can't use that because it's all about us, and we've, we've got to get back to walking like Jesus did. And seeing that every day has to have purpose, and it has to have purpose in Jesus. When, when you roll out of bed tomorrow morning, you need to say, this is the day the Lord has made. I have purpose in this day because he has given me breath to live another day. There is something that God is going to do through me. And listen, not around me, not for me. There is something God is going to do through me today. you got to start believing that. He walked with purpose, and he redeemed the time. You know what that redeeming the time means? means he made the most of his time. He didn't waste his time. He made the most of it. I mean, there were times, you know, and you can say, I remember preaching a sermon several, several years ago uh, uh, called Divine Interruptions. And, you know, it seems like if you read the, the life of Jesus, you see that, you know, he's headed somewhere and somebody interrupts him. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? 
headed somewhere else, and someone uh, headed somewhere else, and another person interrupts him. Jairus. You remember all these times? And, and what do you do when you get interrupted? Come on, tell me. When, when, when you're busy at something and your kids interrupt you, Mom, what do you do? Hope that they're not within arm's reach, right? <laughs> I mean, what, we snap at people, don't we? I mean, I mean we, we, can't, we can't believe they would just walk right in and interrupt us. But never do we see Jesus say, oh, come on. Another one of you people? No, what is he? It is, you know what it's almost like? It is almost like he was expecting that interruption, wasn't it? You know, it's like, and I'll go one step further than that. He didn't just expect it. He actually orchestrated it. He just set everything up. He knew that that woman would be at that place and say, oh, we're living in see. She's not going to be able to get through this crowd unless I move the crowd. I, I can see Jesus doing that. Let me show you just one example. John chapter 4. We're not going to read this whole story. I just want to set it up for you right here. He said, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. If you look on the map from Judea to Galilee, it's Samaria. No big deal. He needed to go through Samaria. Anybody know the rest of what story this is? This is the woman at the well. Remember, he met the woman at the well. Okay, he had to go through Samaria. When he went through Samaria, they came past a town where there, where one of the, there was a well there, and it was a Jacob's well, and so he went to the well, and he stayed there. Now, he orchestrated all of this because he went to the well. Now, he didn't have to go by the well and wait. He didn't even have anything to draw water with. That's evident in the story if you read the rest of the verses. You'll see. He didn't have any, so, so being at the well, he was not there for his own self. And then they needed something to eat, and so he sent the disciples into town so that they could get something to eat. And, and now there were 12 of them, and there were only 13 of them counting Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but when somebody in our family goes to get takeout to bring home, we don't all get in the car and go. You know, I mean, if we're all going to go, we might as well go inside and sit down and eat, you know. Uh, and maybe things were different back in those days because, you know, uh, they didn't have McDonald's drive throughs or whatever, you know, and maybe didn't have the bags with, you know, that they could bring everything up. But surely two or three uh, disciples could have gone into town and brought back enough food for them to have lunch that day, right? But Jesus did something on purpose, didn't he? He went to the well. And when the rest of them went into town, he stayed there. And he made sure all of them went into town so that he could be alone with this woman at the well. And he was there at just a certain time. You've heard people preach and teach this probably, but that it was in the middle of the day, and it was during the heat of the day. And so nobody would go to the well then. They would go early in the morning or late in the day. But this woman, she came in the middle of the heat of the day. Why? Because she was embarrassed because of the lifestyle she had lived. And you know what, Jesus, you know, if I were Jesus, I would probably have gone <coughs> into town. I, I would have, you know, I would have waited for the mayor to come out of his office. I would have found, you know, the banker in town, the guy with all the money, somebody that had all the, you know, the arm twisting leeway and the leverage and, and could really talk people into doing things. And, and that's the person I would have tried to get saved first. But what did Jesus do? He went to the outskirts. He went to a, a well and he waited there. He waited by himself and, and he was there at a right time so that this woman could come to him. And he, and he told her, he said, you've been, you've been married four times and divorced all those four men and, you, and you're living with somebody now that you're not even married to. And he told her all of this and he, and he, and he reached her first and, and it's evident to me that she, she believed in him, believed in him for salvation. She went back into town, told everybody in town. They all came out, came to, came to the well to hear Jesus and he stayed there two days teaching and preaching them and many of them became Christians as well. They, they accepted Jesus Christ. They accepted him as who he was at that time. And how did he do it? He did it with this wretched, vile, sinful woman. Why, why in the world? You know, I guess here's another, another point we kind of need to catch and get here. 
is sometimes the way Jesus says he's going to do it seems like foolishness to us. Man, nobody's going to listen to this woman. I said this kind of at the end of last week's second service. You know, maybe we've just not been saved from enough yet. Oh, but this woman. You see, the rich man, the man with all the pull in town, or, or, or the mayor of the city, you know, you know he, he, he probably you know, hadn't, didn't have a lot of public sin that everybody knew about. And so it wasn't a big deal if, if he had come to know Jesus Christ. But this woman, when Jesus forgave her, told her her sins were forgiven, when she realized that everything was washed away, when, when, when her life was changed, her life wasn't changed from here to here. Her life was changed from the very pits of hell to way up here. And she had a passion inside of her that made her run into town and say, listen, i got to tell you about this man that he's telling me things that are only in my heart. And, and she had such a passion about it that people came, came out of the town. And that's why all those people in the town got saved because of her passion. You know, maybe we haven't been saved from enough yet. Maybe it's because we're still happy with the, the situations that we're living in. But, but maybe today we need to say, God, deliver me from this junk. Get me out of the day-to-day ruts that I'm in and, and, and just the, you know, the checking off the to-do list and those things and, and just going through the motions. God, and deliver me from this. I'm ready, for some, I'm ready for some of the things you said I could have in your word. The dream, Lord, the promise, the vision, Lord, uh, the healing, the miracles, whatever it is, I'm ready for some of that in my life. And, you know, and, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that this, this week you're going to run into your place of business and say, Hey, everybody, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. You know, they might have you arrested or something, you know, if you do. But have passion. But the next time the person in the next cubicle says, Hey, I got to tell you, we got some problems at my house. You say, let me tell you what Jesus did in my situation. Passion. A passion that remembers, you know, and and I said this early service, I I sat over there, stood over there in the early service and it happened again right here as as Mike was singing that song and we were talking about being in his presence and I I was just thinking back over the sins in my life and I know you say, but those are under the blood, you need to forget those, Pastor. No, I don't need to forget them, not at this point, not in this way because I was remembering those sins and those that are under the blood and I was just thinking, thank God. For his grace and mercy, that even those sins that are under the blood, they're, they're so far under the blood that today I can stand in the presence of God and I don't have to hang my head, but I can raise my hands and lift him up and praise him and worship him. And he desires that out of me. And it's nothing Rick Hand did, it's just because of his grace. And there was passion in my heart again for his presence because I remember what it cost heaven. For me to be in his presence. Oh, come on. Come on, we need to return to Calvary today. And just remember, remember what he saved us from. And what he's already done for us. And stir up the passion again. To to, to tell somebody about what Jesus really means to us. Second thing they did. (coughs) Get that. Walk with Jesus. Purposeful. Second thing they did is they ate together. They ate with one another. They ate with each other. Okay, now there's another word here instead of eat that we use interchangeably at least at 29, but there's a lot of churches. I'm, I'm told that most Southern Baptists are this way as well, that we use another word interchangeably with eat whenever it's around church. Y'all know what it is? Fellowship, right. 
I just, you know, if you're new to this thing, let me just tell you, if the word fellowship is attached to it at church 2911, it usually means we're going to have food. Okay. And food is just a great way, but it doesn't have to be that way. Okay. We don't have to actually eat every time we get together when we're doing this, this, this next thing I'm talking about here is something they did. They ate daily and they went house to house. Now that's another thing that changes that they didn't have a water burger back in those days. They didn't have Starbucks back in those days. So they couldn't bounce around place to place. They actually bounced around house to house. They went to your house, then your house, and your house, a different house every day. They bounced around. They went to each other's houses. And so in the same way that you and I wouldn't say go to a restaurant, but it doesn't even have to be a restaurant. Starbucks, you know, I'll go sit and watch you drink a cup of coffee. I'm still not old enough yet, but, you know, I'll watch you drink a cup of coffee or we can spend some time right there or, or, or even playing golf, you know, or, or uh, you know, just doing something together in the yard, you know, or uh, working on a car, you know, you don't want me, I can hand you the tools. You don't want me doing much of anything else, you know, but just, do it just spending some time together that's what they did they spent time together take you to scripture right here it says that they broke bread in their homes this is the the, ver- the last next to the last verse that we read they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts what did that tell me they had a good time they weren't sitting around you know and just with their hands folded and okay who's got a testimony no they were having a good time they were fellowshipping They were enjoying one another. I told you about this last week. We have a responsibility to spend time and enjoy one another. You have a responsibility to people sitting right across the aisle from you, the people sitting right behind you, to enjoy them, to to fellowship them. We have a responsibility. And Jesus, listen, Jesus did this, but he even did it with the unrighteous and the unholy as well. As a matter of fact, he did it so often, it was commonly known that he ate with sinners. That was one of the accusations. That was brought on him. Y'all, y'all remember Zacchaeus? Did y'all ever sing that song when y'all were little? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. You remember? Y'all know that song? Okay, I'll, I'll teach it to you after church. He was a little short guy, and he heard about Jesus. He probably wasn't that short, but he was a little short guy. He heard about Jesus, and so when Jesus was coming by, there was such a crowd around him, being short, he couldn't see, so he climbed up in a tree so that he could see Jesus, and when Jesus got there and saw him in the tree, he said, Zacchaeus, come down because you're feeding me today. Now, that's the Rick Hand version. Jesus actually said something about coming to your house, but I know what Jesus was thinking. Anybody willing to climb a tree to see Jesus would be more than happy to feed him that afternoon, would love to have him in his house, and so Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house. You remember the Pharisees? The Pharisees were the ones who were always pointing their fingers and telling Jesus, you're wrong, wrong, wrong. You know, but you know what? A Pharisee asked Jesus to come to his house. What did Jesus do? He went to his house. It was commonly known Jesus would eat with sinners. Let me take you to one such story right here. It's when Matthew, when Jesus called Matthew also, it says that Jesus went on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Oh no, oh no, the sinners showed up. He was having, sinners actually came to the dinner. Oh, you got to be careful hanging out with sinners. Listen, listen, if you don't hang out with sinners, God's never going to reach any sinners through you. This is one of the good things that happened is because he went to Matthew's house to have, have dinner. Matthew's circle of friends also showed up, and so Jesus didn't get to just minister to Matthew. He got to share the the grace of God through his life and death that was coming. He got to share that with all of his circle of friends. So, oh, but you got to be careful. Yeah, you do be careful. Here's the thing, okay? Remember this. You just got to make sure you're bringing the impact than receiving the impact, okay? That's what you've got to do. But 
that's also why we started with walk like Jesus. If you're walking like Jesus, you're going to engage sinful people in this world. And you're going to engage them with purpose. And you're going to make sure that you're bringing impact into their life and making sure they're not bringing impact into your life. Okay? So he did this. And there they were. And when Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy. Not sacrifice. Mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. If you've already asked God to put your sins under the blood of Jesus Christ and forgive you, He doesn't need to call you to repentance. But He needs to call the sinners to repentance. And that's who Jesus came to. That's why He tells us about leaving the 99 and going out and finding the one sheep that is still out there. That we sometimes, yeah, we need to fellowship together, have a great time. We're going to do that this afternoon. We're going to do that at Thanksgiving. We're going to do it at Christmas. You've heard some of the announcements, a lot of good things going on. But we've got to, we've got to sometimes leave the flock and get out there with some of the lost ones too. Because He needs to call the sinners to repentance. And let me tell you why this works, okay? Because, see, here's the truth that worked 2,000 years ago, and it still works today. The reason it works is because anybody, anybody can send a tweet. How long does it take you to send a tweet? I mean, anybody can tweet. I mean, how long does it take you to post on your Facebook? It doesn't take some of you long, because I see you. Man, you're posting all the time. How long does it take? But you know what? Anybody can do that, but not everybody is willing to take 15 minutes to come over into my yard when I'm raking leaves and hold the bag for me to rake the leaves into. Not everybody's willing to, to stop at my house when they see something isn't right and check things out and make sure everything's okay. Not everybody's willing to pick up the phone and call and say, hey, you look like you were down when I saw you at the store this afternoon. Is everything okay? I just wanted you to know if you need anything, let me. I'll be praying for you that things work out better. Not everybody will take time to, to, to call, say, hey, say, hey, uh, how about we have lunch? You know, God just had you on my heart lately. Not everybody will, will, will take the time to be passionate when a, when a, a coworker or a, a school classmate or someone comes to them and says, look, I got a problem. Not everybody will take the time to say, I'm going to be praying with you because I know what Jesus did for me and he can do that for you. But you see, when you take that time, anybody can, 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 you know, send a text. Anybody can send an email. But when you take the time, you're giving yourself. When you take the time, that's why this still works. It works. And, you know, we used to say, I guess I've been hearing it all my life, that, that people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And it's still true today. You're not going to have the opportunity to impact somebody's life until you give them some of the time and some of your life. That's why this works. And the last thing, you look at Galatians chapter 6. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. I don't have time to stop there, but I need to, don't I? The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from, that, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Do good. Bless. That's the third thing they did. You know what they did? Sacrificial giving. The, the, the early church, if somebody around them didn't have enough or they had a big need, you know what they did? They went home and got something, went to the pawn shop and pawned it and gave them the money. They had a yard sale. They got rid of some stuff. 
You know, they quit, you know, they quit paying all those payments on all those other things so they could actually do some ministry. I mean, we got ourselves, I mean, and this is one of the traps the devil has for us, is if he can get us so tied up paying all of our payments, we don't have any money to help one another anymore. They blessed one another. They blessed others as you have opportunity. And see, if you back up to walk like Jesus, what is it talking about? Purposefully, carefully, setting things up, not missing the opportunity. If you do that, you're gonna, these other things will fall right in line. As you have opportunity to do good, do it. Don't miss an opportunity. Don't step around an opportunity. Don't be looking somewhere else and miss an opportunity. As you have a chance, do good. Bless others. I think this, this last little story I want to bring to you right here in, in, in Scripture, I, I, I think it really details where we are in our going through the motions. You remember the story of the rich young ruler? Uh, it's Matthew that, call, that says he's a young man, but uh, Luke and Mark both tell us he's, he's a rich ruler. It says, a certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. The... Bible scholars, commentators, and more learned men than I have preached and taught and poured into me that this young man didn't really want Jesus to tell him how to have eternal life. He thought he already had it. He thought he'd already done all the things he was supposed to do. He was really just there just to have Jesus brag on him. Ah, you got it. You've been doing all that since, oh man, you got it. So that's, what he, that's what he thought. When he said, do this, 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 he said, I've done those for my youth up. Probably folded his arms, a little smile on his face, just waiting for Jesus to whisper, oh, you've done so good. But Jesus didn't do that. He said, go sell everything you've got. And because he was a rich man, you know what he did? He went away sorrowfully, the word says. Read it, Matthew, Luke, and Mark. He went away sorrowfully because he had many possessions. He couldn't give up. He couldn't do the real thing. It was easy to go through the motions. But as you start talking about sacrifice, giving to somebody else, Jesus said, follow me. Go, go, go do your thing, Jesus, instead of my thing. You know, that's, that's the real stuff. We'll, we'll go through the motions and think that we've got this thing all wrapped up. We'll go through the motions and, and wonder, why is God not meeting my needs? Because you're going through the motion. It's not real anymore. Salvation, grace is free. You got it. It's done. It's handled right there in your lap. You don't have to do a thing about it. But do you want some blessings with that? Do you want some impact with that? You want, you want to have an opportunity for God to do something real in your life? I mean, are, are you not sick of what's going on in this world? Are you not sick of what your kids are having to put up with at school? Are you not sick of the junk and the garbage? I mean, how, how can I have any impact? You're gonna, the way you're going to have impact is you're going to have to quit going through the motions. And just like he had his checklist of all the things, we've got ours too, don't we? Attend church, check. Everybody hearing me right now, you got that checked off, didn't you? You're here today, right? Pay tithes, check. 
Don't raise your hand. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I told Mike, go ahead and check that one off for me too. Hey, Matthias, check. Got that one done. Let's see, number three. Say a prayer. Oh, yeah, we prayed a couple of times already, and we're going to pray again. Yeah, we're going to get that one done. Everybody got a check mark? Join in singing? Yeah, I don't sing real good, so I don't sing real loud, but I sang. I, I've got a couple of words out, a few notes, you know, and those things. So I sang. So check, smile, smile be friendly. You see, that's the fellowship thing. And where does it begin? Paul said, remember what he said? He said, if you have opportunity to do good, and especially there in the household of faith. So it begins right here. The fellowship begins right here. It's not supposed to end right here. That's, that's one of our problems. But we got to get that right first. Did you smile? Were you friendly? Did you fellowship anybody? Or did you come in and take your seat and sit down? You know what? I, I feel like we need to institute a five-minute policy. Five-minute rule. After church, nobody speaks to anybody they're going to speak to the rest of the week for five minutes. That means you don't talk to your best friend for five minutes, you go talk to somebody else. You don't talk to your coworkers for five minutes. For five minutes, you go speak to other people that need your fellowship than the people that you're going to see 24-7 the rest of the week. You know, I'm not saying ignore your wife. I'm not saying ignore you, your boyfriend. I'm just saying that, you know, we need, we need that sometimes. Just a reminder that it's supposed to be that. Smile and be friendly. Yeah, that's what it's about. It's about the fellowship, giving of our time to one another and giving to others. Some sacrificial giving. What have you given lately? What have you given? You know, when you tithe, that belongs to God. You don't want to get anything back from that uh, uh, other than the promises that are there. You know, and, and, and when you give to your children, that's not really giving. That's your family. You know, that's not, what do you really give of your time, of your effort, of, your, uh, of just your stuff, and then follow after Jesus? Those are the things. There's our three things again. Fellowship and giving and following after Jesus. There they are. In reverse order it's somewhat, but it's walking like Jesus and, and, it's, and it's eating or fellowshipping with one another and it's blessing one another. I told you I'm going to ask you, I'm not going to invite everybody to the prayer front, prayer area in the front here this morning because you don't need to move unless you're tired of going through the motions. Going through the motions is doing the first four things. Do you know why those three things at the bottom work? You know why, do you know why when you come to, you attend church, you pay your tithes, you say a prayer, and you join in singing, and you still feel empty, and you still feel like you're just going through the motions? Because you are! Anybody can sing. Even people that can't sing can sing. They can try. Anybody can pray. And anybody, anybody can pay their tithes. Any sinner in the whole world can write a check for their tithes. And I'm going to tell you, in the next few weeks, I'm going to tell you, some of these things are things that God honors even when sinners do them. Let's just go through the motions. Attending church, anybody can attend, anybody can walk in those doors and sit on, on our chairs today. Anybody can, anybody can do it. But everybody isn't willing to fellowship and to give and to walk like Jesus. See, if you want to have impact, that's the three things you've got to do. If you want to have impact, if you're tired going through the motions, and you're ready to have impact. You're ready for God to use you to see something awesome happen, not just around you, but something awesome to happen through you. Come on, think about that, that God wants to do something awesome through me. He wants to bless through me. He wants to pour out through me. He wants to share through me. He wants to encourage through me. He wants to lift up through me. He wants, to, he wants to bless through me. He wants to love through me. He wants to honor through me. He wants to help someone through me. If you're ready, 
If you're sick and, and listen, I, I could preach another half hour probably on, 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 the, on the things that keep us going through the motions and all that. But if you're just tired of going through the motions or whatever it is and, and you're ready to get back to having true impact for God, I want you to come and join me right here in the prayer area. Stand up. Come on right now. Everybody, come on. Everybody, that, if you're truly ready to have impact, I want to make this really simple and easy for you today. I want to, I want to have some impact in my life. Step forward a little bit and let everybody in the aisles get on down. Thank you. Mm. I said at the end of the first service, a little awkward when there's not any music, right? Y'all step on down just a little bit if y'all don't mind. I promise I won't bite today. Thank y'all. Let everybody come on in a little bit. A little awkward when there's not any music and it's quiet and all that, but I told Jamie I don't want the praise and worship team to move yet because... I want them to have opportunity to respond as well. And you know what? I wanted you to see them respond as well. That's why we did it both services. I want to make this real easy on you. How many of you know how to tie your shoes? Do you think about it when you do it, or do you just kind of do it now? Okay. But when you first started, you had to think about it a little bit, didn't you? And then it became old habit, and you just, you just kind of do it now. No, I want to make this so easy for you. You can remember it tomorrow and the next day and the next day, this week, next week, and whatever. But it's going to be up to you to remember it and do it until it becomes old hat for you. Until it becomes a thing that you do without even thinking. Wouldn't it be awesome to become that kind of a Christian? Not that kind of a Christian. But that kind of preached about that is having impact that miracles, wonders, and signs are happening because your coworker comes to you and says, I'm going to be praying with you. Maybe you have a prayer right there, if convenient. Sometimes it's not convenient at work to pray right there. But you have a prayer, and God actually meets that need. Wouldn't that be awesome to be that? I'm going to tell you how. The three things we preached about, but I'm going to make it real easy. Jamie, come on, get ready if you will. Three, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you an acronym, and it's WEB, W-E-B. You've already seen it already. Okay, but here, I'll give it to you again. It's called just working our web. We all have a web of friends, right? People we know, people we're just acquainted with, people we run into, people that you know, we're friends with or we're related to or we live close by, we work with or go to school with. We've all got a web of friends working our web. And the first thing was what? Walking like Jesus. This is what it's going to take. If you want to have impact, walk like Jesus every single day of your life. Tomorrow morning you wake up, you, you just say in your mind, there is purpose. There is, Jesus has some purpose in me being alive today or I wouldn't be alive. I, there's a purpose for me today. He wants to do something amazing, not around me, but through me. I have purpose today. Secondly, is eat with two every week. Let me, let me explain this just a minute. Now, when I say eat, I don't really necessarily mean you got to eat. That's code for fellowship, okay? Fellowship. O- over dinner, over a, a cup of coffee, a donut, or a game of golf, or working under the hood of a car, like I said, or, or when you're seeing your neighbor raking leaves and going over it and spending some time right there, or whatever, just and spending some time. Fellowship with two. Why two? Fellowship with one from in the family of God and fellowship with one from outside of the family of God. You know what? Most of you, most of you do one of those good, but you don't do the other one very well. 
And most of you do the this thing better, and you don't do the that thing as good. But some of you, it's the other way around. So that's why I just, as a rule, just make this your rule. Every week. And you say, oh, I don't know how that's going to happen. Let me see. If you, do, if you get that first one down, that I have purpose today, somewhere this week, God is going to give you an opportunity. If you don't run by it and you're paying attention and you're purposeful, he's going to give you opportunity to spend a little fellowship time with a Christian and with somebody who's not a Christian. Someone who is unchurched, someone who needs Christ. Just make up your mind, I'm going to do that. And then the third thing is bless. Same thing, bless two every week. One inside the house of God and one outside the house of God. Doesn't even have to be in our little house of God. Any, anywhere, bless two people every week. You might, you might know a mom, a single mom, or maybe not a single mom, but a mom that doesn't have time to get anything done in her life. And you can go babysit for 30 minutes. Just let her go into a room all alone and scream. And just give her some of your time. And bless her with that. Or, or, or you, might, you might find a little boy that, that never gets to go to the game. They've got playoff games starting this Friday night. Offer, go pick him up. Take him to the football game. You take him this week. You pay for his way. Buy him some cotton candy, some hot chocolate too. Give. Bless two people. If you want to have impact, it is not going to happen by you going through the motions and doing those, those things that we think that are so important. you got to keep doing those things. Just like when, when, when Jesus was asked, he said, yeah, that's important, but you got to do this other stuff too. Don't, don't forget to pay your tithes. Don't forget to assemble together and forsake that like some people are doing. you got to do that. But if you want to have impact, if you want to lead your family to know Jesus Christ and bring them to church, pay your tithes, teach them all that. But if you want to have impact, if you want to have impact, but see, I, 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 I could stand here for another half hour and just do everything I can to stir you up. But it's not going to do any good for those of you who don't care and you're just going through the motions. You're going to do that the rest of your life. It's not going to matter anymore. So for those of you who really truly want to have impact, you didn't come down here because everybody else did. You came down here because you want to have impact in your life. You you remember these three things right here. Walk like Jesus every single day. Eat with two every week. Two every week. Sometime this week, I believe God will give every one of you an opportunity and bless two people every week. I'm not saying stop for everybody that's broken down the side of the road. You pray for, pray over that and make sure God's, God's protecting you and keeping you. And I'm saying you find God's going to give you opportunity to bless people this week. If you want to have impact, you start doing this. And pretty soon when this, when this becomes, and it might not happen the first week, but when this becomes your nature, and you do this just like you tie your shoes without even thinking, and this becomes who you are, you're going to start having impact in your communities. People are going to know where to go when they need prayer. People are going to know whose phone to call when they need prayer. People are going to know where to go when maybe I just, I just need an encouraging word. People are going to know because this is who you've become. Jamie's going to lead us in the final song. Don't start singing until you finish praying. I want us to pray right now. Bow with me.